Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Be honest. Was this a nightmare to get into this hair and all of this no, stuff? No, no, no. You're, you're not, this is all uh, computer generated. So every single piece of fur is added by a computer. It's technology that's never, ever been used in a film before. I don't believe it. Let's be Meow, meow, everybody. Welcome to episode two of Our Week with Cats, recorded live in the Auckland domain, just down the way from Rialto Newmarket. Absolutely not. I don't like it. It will be playing on repeat. <laughs> Uh, Tim and I are nestled amongst the roots of a tree. Uh, it's a beautiful evening here in Auckland, and we have just seen cats for the second time. In as many days. And how does that hold up in your eyes, Tim? You know what? Something to it. Yeah. There's something to it on that second watch. Tell me about it. Let me hear more. You watch it the first time, and you were just bewildered and, like, a little revolted. At the animation, and then you see it the second time, and you're like, maybe these fucking cats know what's up. <laughs> maybe the cats know what's up? Yeah, man. Maybe everyone involved in this thing actually knew what was up, but you got to see it two times. Tell me more. I don't know. There's something that gets... So the second time, you know everything, right? There's no shocks and surprises, so you can what? just kind of... Doss down with a good song or two. Also, let's bear in mind that is the experience of uh, cat fanatics. I imagine those who have been to the Broadway musical. No, because the thing that you have to get used to is the horrifying CGI. But once you're after that hump, then here's what I kept thinking when I was watching it today. <laughs> Can you please turn that off? <laughs> That's really freaking me out. I don't like it at all. Um, <clears throat> really good performances from from kind of everyone. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. A generous estimation, but I understand what you're saying. I certainly was expecting to be... Uh, Except more... Rebel Wilson. Oh, man, what do you got against Rebel Wilson's she performance? She sucks in this movie. She got a bad role. She got bad lines. The more ad-libs... That. That, no, it's not. Do you know what they said? Tom Hooper said, Rebel, you're our comic relief. We're going to have moments of light and moments of shade throughout the movie, but whenever you're on screen, it's your job to 
uh, relieve any tension with, you know, wittier sides. And the wittier sides they gave her were atrocious. The decisions they've made around the editing of those lines has been uh, most ungenerous. There's I don't a- think the blame lies with Rebel Wilson. She got laughs in the cinema on site. Yeah, that's true, actually. And I will say this, much tougher audience today than yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday, I felt like there were consistent titters, if not full-blown laughs amongst the crowd. Today, deathly silent. Yesterday, we started what was a fairly rousing round of applause as the credits rolled. Today, literally... We we kicked it off. (laughs) No one joined in. It started and stopped with Timbo and Guy Guy. What did the woman say? You were sitting next to someone and you said, what did you think as the credits started rolling? Yeah, I said, what do you think of that? And she said, well, it's the best movie I've ever seen with a big fucking grin across her face. Fuck, that's good. Good on you. I um, overheard a guy when we were walking out just say, it was too long. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't that long. It is really... It's It's it's, about an hour and a half. It's just under two. It's it's 111 minutes, but it'll be an interesting experience... Like, even today, when we sat down as the trailers were rolling the same the trailers. Film, yeah, it was a really sort of um, out-of-body experience. As I was like, oh, it's going to be really weird, you know, seeing the same film with in the same environment, but with new people around you. <laughs> it's like we've got new special guests for the screening yeah. each time, but uh, they don't know. But I, yeah, I so I found that novel, and then I just think... If you if you meet the movie at face value, if you meet the movie on its terms, it is something. Well, it is immensely watchable, perhaps. Yeah. Not necessarily something. It's it's <laughs> like it's 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 the Hindenburg. It's in like it's a spectacular. It's a spectacular. Failure. It, it's. I think you can put a full stop after the spectacular. It's a spectacular. It's a spectacular. It's very glitzy. I don't know. I might be affording too much to the film this time because I, you know how we pretty promptly got to that point with Grown Ups too, how you can't look at the middle of the screen or whatever's in focus? Yeah. I couldn't do that today. Like I was just search mainly because I know that the visual effects have been a little bit half-baked and I was just trying to see if there's anything still there with this I, new version of the film out there. I, I spent a lot of the movie today wanting to visit the set. I want to know what the measure of uh, real set building versus... Green screen. Green screen is. Like, because if... I was thinking specifically during the um, Mungo Jerry and Rumpel teaser mm. song, when they break into that sort of quite nice house with Victoria leading her astray, and they start running up and doing backflips on the headboard of the bed, which mm. looks like it might have either very high cotton thread count sheets or perhaps a silk oversheet. And I thought... That looks fun. And I thought, and the actors, I mean, I don't know if they're just flipping on a wall and everything else is being put on, but if beds were built to the scale, and perhaps this is why the scale of the movie moves around so much, is that they contracted different groups of builders to Mm. build different parts of the set. Yeah. So they're not like necessarily extravagantly different, but they're all just different (laughs) enough that it feels like you're sort of walking through Puzzling World. If you don't know, because you're not from New Zealand, Puzzling World is a very low... I'm from New Zealand, and I don't know what Puzzling World is. It's like a very low-budget funhouse just outside of Wanaka in the South Island of New Zealand. And uh, it involves like... It's like when the residents of Springfield rally together and build Ned Flanders' house. 
Gotcha. <laughs> but so the feeling is that maybe they just got different builders to build different rooms, and that's why the size isn't perfectly to scale across the board. Well, again, I think this falls to Tom Hooper because you frequently have different teams working on different bits of the film. Like you have different visual effects teams doing different scenes, but usually you've got a strong enough kind of Bible to work to that everyone is on the same page about what the scale is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> but these guys were just kind of ad-libbing it. That is one thing you take away the more you see the film is sort of the way in which it got away from Tom Hooper. Yeah. I don't know what specifically he was concentrating on the whole time. <laughs> it feels like he was doing a lot of jobs poorly. <laughs> Poor Tom Hooper. Can I say this, Tim? Yeah. Some of the cats wear shoes. Yeah, two two of them do. <laughs> and some of the cats don't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So those guys are called the twins, and they're like... Uh, quite famous, I think. Dancing? Dance duo. Yeah. And they were in some other shitter of a film recently, but I can't remember what it was. I think it was something with Will Smith, potentially. Maybe. Can't remember. Probably one oh. of his Instagram videos. You know, Will Maybe S- they were a Men in Black International. You know, Will Smith's Instagram has a writer's room? Doesn't shock me. Do you follow him? Yeah, he's sensational. It's crazy. <laughs> like, they should have got the visual effects team from... Will Smith's Instagram to work on cats, and it would have come across flawlessly. It, well, I'd like to ask you this: who, who amongst the the wider cast and crew and production team of Cats, do you think did a good job? Wardrobe, and they didn't have a lot to do. Three coats and those blindingly red, beautiful brass buttoned overalls for old. What's his name? The, the sprinkle, <laughs> sprinkle, sprinkle, scrumble shanks, the railway cat. Yeah, you got it. Who was a delight once more. I'd like to uh, issue an amendment to my assessment of his entry from uh, the, the the previous episode. He, in fact, is a member of the Jellicle Cats, just a silent dancing member of the Jellicle Cats. And he really gets his moment um, before his big song. He's revealed to be, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's a, a very well-known dancer because... The guy has oh, yeah. moves, and I, I, I think actually, he's from a ballet troupe, yeah, like a, Brit- a royal I, ballet troupe. I uh, really was, uh, it was impressed upon me how incredible Did you put high, the first track on repeat? Yes, how incredible high-quality dance is, because uh, Victoria, the actor who plays Victoria, and Francesca Hayward, yes, uh, and Skimble Shanks, and then also the, the main cat, whose name I still don't, or not the main cat, yeah. but... What is sort of, his name? He's sort of the, the 2IC of the Jellicle Cats. He looks like a young Robert Downey Jr. as a cat. And he's he's a phenomenal dancer. Yeah. And when I would see some of these ballet moves, like they do these insanely lengthy uh, no, dance recitals that involve no singing. In yes. between songs, sometimes the cats will just dance as though they are compelled by some power on high for so sort of two to three minutes. This is the thing. Cats is actually a dance movie. With some songs in it, I've come to realise. Mm. And this is why it doesn't work, because when you watch a dance movie, the artistry of that is seeing these human bodies move with such precision and just being able to use the human body like that, that kind of movement is an incredible thing to watch when you're staring down a choreographed professional busting a move. But when you put a layer of computer-generated fur on top of that, it takes away... Because then you're, then you're just looking at something that might have been made in a computer, you know? Yeah. So your brain automatically sort of switches off to the impressiveness of the moves. And I feel like this is why I Cats think, the movie didn't work. And again, I, I, I'm inclined to agree because I think back to that sort of uh, semi-viral video that was initially released about Cats, which was on the set. And you saw a lot of the famous people involved 
in rehearsal and then sort of doing pieces to camera saying this is going to be unlike and also a <laughs> please lot of help the, uh, no, Tom no. Hooper has <laughs> gone insane he's trapping us here on a boat to their credit a lot of what they're saying remains credible to this day they're not saying Cats is the most compelling film of all time but they're saying you have never seen a movie like what we are making their right now their wording is so particular shout out to James Corden who did so much press trying to make this a thing but uh, the, the the thing is, like, uh, it has the feel, those dance recital moments and what you're articulating and considering the rehearsal space and maybe where they were recording, it has the feel of uh, a stage show. Like, yeah. the, the community it feels like they were building and the feeling of community I'm, I'm projecting onto the cast when they were doing it all feels like a stage show. And so by the time they were finished, I don't know that they knew they'd made cats i feel like they might have thought well we did it you know we did all the stuff we were asked we learned the dances we sang the songs we fucking showed up and then you know they head along to the release (laughs) this is what we were making oh this was what it was well i hate to poke holes in your theory guy but would it shock you to hear that all of these a-listers had to go to cat school to be involved in this film tell me more so, during the pre-production of this movie, where they were first starting to get their head around the choreography and whatnot, they had to attend daily a cat school. And I've heard that Sir Ian McKellen did not attend it daily. He skulked off. It doesn't show, because that man is a convincing cat. He turns in one of the best acting moments in the film, which is right before he sings his song, and uh, Mr. Mistopheles says, do you get nervous? And he says, no, no, practice, 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 and then nothing can go wrong touch wood and then he rubs his nape the nape of his neck on a piece of wood as though the man himself is a cat cat. exactly so they're at they had to go to what is cat school cat school is a movement class instructed by a cat behavioralist uh telling these a-list actors some of whom have been knighted and damed (laughs) how to move around like a cat that i mean if you're dealing with a movie that has a hundred million dollar budget it is not totally surprising to think that they would go to it does feel like that they were, if maybe i think someone needed to be telling tom holland what tom hooper what to do sorry tom mm-hmm. holland not a part of the film tom holland i wish was in it tom holland might be one of the mice we don't know that's true taking a break from a spider of a man he, to a mouse I, of a I man i believe tom holland might be a dancer anyway that's that sounds familiar you're not allowed to cross the streams of the MCU. He's and out, the cats. though. This is the thing. They had that big bust up, and now Holland's out because Sony and Marvel couldn't agree on a price for keep, keep, to keep Spider-Man in there. Wow. What? I'm going to have to wait two years for a new Spider-Man? Yeah, believe it. <laughs> what year is this? 2005? <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Yeah, they all, they all went to cat school, I which mean, is just such a funny wrinkle to me. To admit, and it's funny also to know that Serene McCallum was just, like everyone else was. Like, oh, you know, we got to go to cat school. No, no, yeah, no, you no, no, your place. Serene McCallum's like, no, you're lucky to have me. This is why I'm I'm so sad for his big. He's like in the back of shots leading up to it, but his big introduction on screen is him lapping, and again, it fucking got me. Yeah. It's just so sad. Lapping at a, a plate of water backstage like a common rat because he's playing himself. He's kind of this old wizard actor cat. Absolutely. And I will say this. I didn't think to mention it yesterday, but it happened to me again today. His performance is Gus, the theater cat, and also maybe in the moments leading up to it, uh, both times made me consider my own mortality. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's reflecting on the career and the life he's led, <laughs> and he's sort of dancing on stage and sort of regaling these young cats yeah. about, you know, uh, uh, you, 
like I remember when I first discovered that my grandparents were interesting and being like, oh, I had it wrong. You guys rule. Yeah. And there's, a, there's a certain quality of that that he's bringing. And um, just hearing him talk about it and sort of knowing his place amongst the cats, the Jellical Society now, and saying, but there was a time, and people love to hear me talk about it, I was fucking King Cat. I was it. Uh, you see that cat in the driving the railroad train with the bloody overalls on? That was me, baby. Exactly. And uh, I, I would say I've never achieved uh, Gus the Theatre Cat status in my life, but to, to look at that, I thought, wow, you know, even the greats amongst us. Time comes for us all. Indeed. Sydney anyway, McKellen is I a good example of that. And I, I did when, not expect to be confronted by that two times over. It's pretty deep. Whenever he and Judy Dench were on, sorry, Dame Judy Dench were on screen as well, I just um, I thought it was really irresponsible to put them in the movie because this might be the last one. No. You know? They've got legs. I hope so. I hope so. I really hope so. I did uh, notice some visual effects snafus, though. Go ahead. So tomorrow when we watch it, um, keep an eye on Mr. Mistopheles' sleeve in the scene where he produces the knife and the fork. You can see they've had some trouble. You laugh, yeah, you laugh to yourself. The satisfied laugh of a man who spotted a very small technical error with a, a high-budget movie. I was hunting for it. It's just, it's not big as well. It's little. It's just little, but you can definitely see it. They've had some trouble because he's wearing a coat and he's got black fur underneath, and his coat is also black. And it's they've like mapped the shadow of the black fur onto him, and it doesn't move with his arm. It gets a bit out of sync uh, when he pulls the knife out. The fork, the knife. He does it. Oh, yep, the fork. Thank you. The I don't fork. think he. Re- I don't think he reveals think right. a knife. Yeah, you're right. That'd be cooler though. It keeps harp- Well, <laughs> I mean, it would be more dangerous. He does keep harping on about the forks. You know what I didn't like about Dame Judy Dench, though? Do you know? Uh, but where she raises her leg up, and you're like, oh, oh no, no, but that's Dame Judy That's Dench. a cat. I know, it's she a cat. She picked that up at cat school, brother. I know, but it's still Dame du- Ju- Judy Dench. Do you Dench. know what I did like about Dame Judy Dench? What? The fact that her wardrobe is very clearly the original lion costume from The Wizard of Oz. Hard out. It is 100% that and yeah. nothing else. Her wedding ring switches hands. Yeah, it's she, really weird. At some points, it's on the right, and then at the end, it's on her left hand. I've, I've, I feel like I read a story where it came out that uh, the that the wrong edit of cats being released mm. is what revealed to her longtime partner that she is leading a double life and has a, a different marriage <laughs> on which she wears a wedding ring on her right hand. Gotcha. And depending on the day, she'll switch it, switch them around. Yeah. I mean, which seems like madness. It does. But it makes perfect sense seeing the movie because the one that you see on her right hand like looks smaller and then later on in the film, it's big and chunky maybe on the she other was, hand. Maybe she was just closer to the lens. Maybe <laughs> you think it's forced perspective and I'm just getting <laughs> thrown off. Nearly always. I feel like for a, a group of professional actors who went to cat school, and again, I don't think this is their responsibility. Maybe this falls on Tom Hooper. But... Um, some of the decisions they made where instead of going full cat or remaining largely human, they sort of split the difference 50-50, uh, come out really, really questionable. Namely, I'm thinking about the blend of crawling on all fours and then also hopping up onto their legs. Yes. I mean, the actors would have got sore knees. I thought that pretty early. I thought this is going to hurt their knees. And it reminds you that cats are supposed to be on all fours. Absolutely. When you see it and you're like, oh, yeah. It's like 
It's like when, what's his goddamn name, the train cat? Oh, Scribble Shanks. Scribble Shanks. It'll be my mission. Skimble Shanks. Skimble Shanks. I remember that by the end of this. When he wears pants, you're reminded of what cats are supposed to do. And you're like, oh, yeah. What the hell, man? Yeah. And then, but that one, that's sort of okay because I feel like, you know, that they were. They had to make that decision and reveal it to the audience at some point. The more harrowing split the difference 50-50 human-cat hybrid moment is after some of the numbers performed at the Egyptian when they are performing for the Jellicle Ball, uh, the cats will do this bizarre blend of applause and meowing that doesn't quite execute either of those practices. So they'll be going, meow. <laughs> and it will be sort of twenty five to thirty adults doing this, yeah. And it doesn't commu- guys putting his hands together. By it the way, it doesn't communicate the overwhelming excitement of you know raucous applause, like holy shit, you blew us away with that. And it also does not convincingly communicate a group of cats praising another cat. Instead, you're just They've like all picked a path there because if you look around that room as well, about over fifty percent of them are scratching on the ground. Oh, I see. And then less than half of them are actually clapping. This so feels, you're right. Everyone is just picked if they're going to be a human or an animal in their applause that, break. That yeah. reeks of Tom Hooper walking through and pointing at different people in the cast and saying, cat, human, cat, human. And the end result is immensely unsatisfying and, frankly, somewhat scary. I've written down, I think this is why I got confused. I think maybe the visual error is when we see James Corden produce a fork from his sleeve. Does that make sense? Um, maybe when he's on the boat. Don't know. He doesn't reveal a fork on the boat. Right, Are we I've watching crossed, the same movie? I've crossed the streams. I've written down something weird. And then I've written on top of my notes because I was doing it in the dark, so I can't even make sense of what some of this yeah, is. Yeah, you've, you've done a bad job I've done there. a bad job there. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Rumble Cats sticks a nail in... 
Oh, I know what you're saying. Uh, Rumpel Teaser sticks a pin in uh, Mungo Jerry's tail yep. during their performance. Yep. I wrote that down. You didn't have any thoughts about it. You just observed thought it, it looked, happening. Thought it looked, thought it looked painful. <laughs> <laughs> Rebel Wilson scratching herself as well, man. I don't like it. Get off get off her case, man. I don't like anyone scratch because they're all scratching themselves in their ass. Uh, they're cats. Yeah, I know, but I don't want to see it, man. Not on a big old cinema screen. What would you sooner they do? Just, C- just continue to be humans. Do what Serena McAllen does. Be sad and like lick your ears like a cat. You know, the classic little... Corden does that unconvincingly. That is what you do as a child when you're pretending to be a cat. Yeah. I don't think it passes muster in like this huge large-scale movie production of cats. I bought James Corden's child lick ear stroke thing, man. I mean, again, I will say it, and and as everyone listening will know, we uh, were not looking out to enjoy James Corden, but... We do not stand the man, but we stand his performance in Cats. Yeah, he, he does. Uh, he does fantastic work in this movie. Just reading the tone. But just remember, James Corden fucking sucks. You do love saying that. Uh, Rum Tum Tugger's song, absolutely no good. Once more, mm. wasting one of the best singers in the cast with a really shitty cat and song. The Rum Tum Tugger is a fucking waste of everyone's time. He adds nothing to the movie. He just comes in. It's like Andrew Lloyd Webber had some half-baked ideas about the ways in which cats are annoying, and he sort of wrote a third of a song. And then, I mean, I just think it's a waste of Jason Derulo. And also... <laughs> That's the not only, how you say his name. Jason Derulo. Thank you. They also... The only redeeming feature of that song is that uh, it would seem that they used the bass from the Seinfeld theme to <laughs> accompany the Rum Tum Tiger song. And... Uh, it sort of supports what you were saying about the opening reprise that we're listening to right now and other sort of tinier elements of the sound quality. Like, it sounds thin in places. It's a Lloyd Webber thing. He doesn't mind it, and it fucking shits me. Here's a thing that I learned in my research. Um, so Andrew Lloyd Webber based Cats on a T.S. Eliot collection of poems about cats. Yeah. So he didn't write this, per se. In fact, I think a lot of the songs are directly... The poems. The poems. They're not even that much That he's changed. put into it. Yeah. Well, I... So, which suggests that he just kind of wrote the music and stuff to it, I guess. I feel like, you know, he would have had to update some of T.S. Eliot's work. I wonder what T.S. Eliot would make of Cats, specifically in this I form. think it would shock and horrify him, considering the fact that he died about 100 years ago. Do you get the feeling that Andrew Lloyd Webber had maybe learned the word ineffable the day he started writing this movie? I'm or, so glad or, you brought that up, Guy, because it's one of those things where the word comes up half a dozen times, and if it was attached to one particular cat, I'd be like, that's a character trait. <laughs> but because it is spread across the cast, you're like... Why is everyone saying ineffable so much? I think just amongst the overwhelming high of cocaine and the knowledge that this was a guaranteed smash hit no matter what he did. Have you ever been so high that you fucking punched, solar punched a thesaurus and just saw it fell onto the floor on an open page and then got very excited by whatever word presented itself? Ineffable. Ineffable. Ineffable means too great or extreme to be expressed or described in words. So perhaps that's what a musical is not so subtle. Yeah, effort to communicate what the the film or the musical is trying to do. The rules of a musical are when the emotion is too great to say out loud, you sing a song to express it. So he's obviously someone's told him that's how you write a musical, and he's like, love it, great word. There are no. Like, again, only really Jennifer Hudson as Grizabella brings any emotional gravitas to this. Otherwise, Go fuck yourself. 
Francesca Hayward, our lead, Victoria. I, I'm not. What di- did you think of her? Think of her. I thought she was great. I think she ties it all together really well, and she sort of does play a, a satisfying audience surrogate, where she's essentially, as we are, dropped into this world. She acclimatizes much quicker than any audience member would have a fucking dream of doing. This is her first ever movie. I don't think it's going to hurt her. She is a phenomenal dancer. Again, her voice, for mine, a little bit thin. Go and fuck yourself. It's called musical theatre singing. You've got to like half talk a little bit. You've got to over-enunciate so people can hear you. I know, but at one point they, they, they stick her on a duet with Jennifer Hudson and it really sort of reveals what I had a sneaking suspicion was true in the first place, which is just, I don't think, because, you know, a triple threat... There are, prob- there are singers who dance and there are dancers who sing. And yeah. she is a dancer who sings. She is. Uh, but I don't think that her character carries any emotional weight. I mean, she's sort of just experiencing this world of jellical cats, but she's not. Do so you know who's going to be absolutely livid to hear that when she tunes into this podcast? Taylor Swift. Because the, move, the, uh, the, the song, Beautiful Ghosts, which has about sort of three repeats throughout the film, was written for this movie by Andrew Lloyd Webber on music and Taylor Swift on lyrics over the course of one day. Oh. And they chucked it into the film. That makes sense. That song fucking blows. I hate that song. Anytime this movie attempts to be serious, outside of Jennifer Hudson's character arc, it sucks. And the first time it happens, which is after they open with a bang, Jellicle Cats, I'm here for it. Then all of a sudden, they all sort of scatter and run away. And then uh, Victoria's left alone, somewhat confused. I mean, do the Jellicle Cats sing that song every time they meet a new cat? I guess so, yeah. That's how you introduce them to the pack. That is so much work. I know, and there's so many of them. They've done it so many times. But it's why they're so good now. They they get practice down. That's another thing I thought. Why don't they enter as a troop? All of them can go get a new life. That's a fucking mean technicality. I anyway, they all sing Jellicle Cats, and you are here for it. And then all of a sudden, they they scatter. Mister Mistopheles comes out. He's immediately developed a crush on Victoria, and he sort of pulls her to this graveyard where the cats are lounging around. And then what you do when you're smitten with someone, Robert Downey Jr. Cat, Robert Downey Jr. Jr. Cat, (laughs) um, sort of starts Robert Downey Jr. the third. Yeah, this very sort of serious instrumentation comes in, and he starts singing this really sort of like. What's meant to be a vaguely haunting and quite proper song about, you know, the value, how cats have three names. Oh, and, yeah, and man. And that's, that's the first time the movie sort of descends into genuine chaos. When I'm like, totally. this is a huge... This is off the rails. This is a lurch into the unknown. <laughs> and then every time from there, when the movie starts to try and take itself seriously, or a, a, a cat sings a song as though I'm invested in their ludicrous fucking life, I'm like, get fucked. Bring back the Jellicle Cat. Give me Mr. <laughs> Mistopheles. Give me Skimble Shanks. I don't need to hear about whatever's going... Save again for Grizabella, because... There, I mean, this is Jennifer Hudson. Yeah, she's cat. she's got a she's got a story. There is a story inside of what is otherwise twelve songs, varying qualities about various different cats. My opinion. Jesus, what do you think? Do you think that there's any like? Are you invested in any one story outside I, of Grizabella's? I, I I take issue with you taking issue with Francesca Hayward's portrayal okay. of Victoria. Tell and, me, but, tell me Victoria's journey. Tell me the she story is of Victoria. Cast asunder, alone in the streets of London. She has been cast out from her owners. She's young. She doesn't know this world. She's scared. And then she gets taken in by this odd cult. 
but with love. Jellical cats and jellical, jellical cats. And jellical yes, cats and jellical, jellical cats. There are threats. Nah, it's going to throw me. It's uh, there's there's threats and there's um darkness in the form of um what's his name Idris Elba, McCavity. McCavity, right? Idris Elba. But did he bring it today or what? Yeah, big time. Why did he get contact lenses and no one else was allowed? Because it really they like they make reference to his green eyes at one point. Oh, do they? Yeah. It's like this guy's got fucking crazy eyes. They should give everyone crazy eyes because he's cats got have Idris crazy Elba eyes. eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what adds weight to your "She's a Dancer Who Sings" thing because she's part of the Royal New Ze- uh, the Royal British Ballet, the Royal Ballet, whatever the fuck it's called, the Queen's Ballet. She's one of the Queen's Swans. And I reckon what happened is she got cast because apparently Victoria, the character, doesn't have her own song on the musical. So what about this guy? Andrew Lloyd Webber and Taylor Swift wrote that song in an afternoon. Francesca Hayward had already been cast. They knew she would support a couple songs. She would duet with Jennifer Hudson to bring up memories or Moonrise, whatever it's called. Goosebumps. Again. But what if they had to shoehorn, like, because I I watched part of an interview today and it's got well, Francesca. Way to, apply, way to apply yourself, bro. Francesca Hayward and Taylor Swift and two others there. And Francesca Hayward's talking about it. And she's like, yeah, they wrote the song. And then I had to learn it the day before I was going to do it on set. <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber and Taylor Swift just kind of took me into a room and gave me this private concert. It was amazing. But then terrifying because I had to perform it in the movie the next day. That is nuts. So this whole production, like, how does that situation come up? This is also... Um, you know, here it is. Andrew Lloyd Webber, by the way, is a notoriously bad guy. Really? Beyond the, the musical output, that might be worth some research between today and tomorrow. Like, he is a... a like, a almost qualifies for supervillain status. Really? His general outlook, regard? demeanor, and behavior. He's just a political menace. Uh, he's like an old-school conservative. Uh, he lives outside of the UK, but flies back to vote on legislature, which like really makes lives difficult for various different minorities. The guy sucks. Oh, but fuck, you got to hand it to him. He's got commitment. Certainly. But to me, uh, what I'm getting out of this and the way that this set and entire production was run is that Andrew Lloyd Webber said to Tom Hooper, if you're going to direct Cats, you're going to do it the way that I made Cats, which involves coming into this room with me and just plunging yourself into this mountain of cocaine and any idea you have is a good idea. And that's not just when you're high. Any idea you have is a good idea forever. You're saying that like it's crazy, but this reeks of that mentality. And it's kind of inspiring that way because you, you see cats and all of this is just pure confidence. There's like the music is good, but the lyrics are bad and the story is bad and the concept is bad and baffling. But it's done with such conviction and confidence. To put on a musical is a lot of work. A lot of people, a <laughs> oh, yeah. lot of money, a lot of time. And for a man to convince everyone that adapting a T.S. Eliot book of poems about felines into a stage production worthy of, you know, at least tens of thousands of pounds when it opened in 1981, that is some sort of mastermind. Yeah. And people get behind that. It's- it doesn't matter if you're right. It just matters if you're confident. Yeah, this movie is a testament to that. 100%, except for the $70 million that it lost. That arguably will count as being wrong. Oh, nah, because everyone who worked on the movie got paid. 
that's not coming out of their pocket. I guess, but they may not work again. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> you miss 100% of the stage adaptations you don't convert you to don't a make. weird CGI um, film. Favourite line? Again, back to Skimble Shanks when he says, I'm a cat who cannot be ignored. <laughs> I thought about <laughs> <myself, laughs> I was like, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> you're fucking singing a song in trousers on a railway. It would be impossible for me to ignore you right now. Who is your jellical choice this watch? You're not going to like it. Uh oh. No, it was, initially it was. She, it was hers to lose from the outset. Yeah. Because of. The technical mastery required, the cockroach or beetle tattoo that she puts together is so impressive. And I feel like... Is the story element or is the digital work of art? No, within the story... I see. The idea that she has trained these cockroaches to perform this way and also baked a delicious cake. And she carries them around in a little briefcase. And then she threw the cake away. Yeah. She biffed it in their face. Hey, that actually reminds me, Dylan Reeve, who was the co-maker of Tickled, the film with David Farrier. About t- professional tickling. He's a, like a, he's a film editor and whatnot, and he sent out a really great tweet um, with a, a very minor technical detail when the trailer came out. That You know that bit where they rotate the screen 180 degrees with the cockroach tattoo? It's done in this really like... Because I was looking at that shot, and I was like, something about this is fucked. Like, when the trailer came out, it's like, what is it about this? And it happens completely in uniform motion. Like, it's literally just the screen turning 180, which, like, apparently in the visual effects world, and this is what Dylan was saying, you would never do it that way. It would, like, slow down just before it hit the end and sort of correct as if you're actually moving a physical object like a camera crane around. But because it's just going the same speed the whole time, it just comes off as really cheap and shitty because it's completely digital. I can literally got I any can weight. see Tom Hooper in the editing suite saying, speed it up! Why does it slow down? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so anyway, I thought it was Rebel Wilson for that reason. But However, fucking hats off to Mr. Mistopheles. Really? A hundred percent. That song is a belter. His performance is sensational and what really clinched it for me, I was singing along in the cinema to Mr. Mistopheles. Oh, well, never have I ever... Something like that. I got yeah. it wrong, but you get it's, it. Yeah. Seen a cat so clever as Marvel. Oh, I don't know. It's Ma- magical. So good. Uh, and then at the end, after he's been... like The cats have been galvanized by the power of his magic. And he, in turn, has believed in the ability of his magic, thanks to the confidence of the other cats. Yes. He creates this sort of... Uh, situation where all of the instruments in the room yes. he has conducted to float above the cats who are performing in synchronicity at this point and belt out a full instrumental version of the Mr. Mistopheles song. And at the end of it, if you think about the context of the story, he's just saved Dame Judy Dench, old Ju- Ju- Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, from her fate of walking the plank yeah. on a barge on the Thames. Yeah. Uh, so in the context of the movie, of the story of the movie, and also for how much I enjoyed the song, he's my jellical choice today. Who do you like? Nice one, dude. Before I get to my jellical choice, the last bit sat a lot better with me today because I think I got it more. It was like, oh, this is a joke. But it's just, it's a joke that's supposed to work because the rest of the thing is supposed to work and then this is supposed to be a bit of light 
like a bridge back down to real life. It's like, yeah, you just watched a thing with cats telling you a story as if, you know, they've got these full-fledged emotional lives and conflicts. But realistically, we're talking about cats. Isn't that funny? Didn't we all enjoy the magic of the theatre to take us into this other realm for two hours or so? And then this is a nice ramp back so that when you come out and get into your car, you don't have the mistaken impression that your cats are running around, breaking hearts and wizarding other cats. Um, but it's just the fact that the movie was so weird and didn't work on any any particular level I, I that mean, it didn't land. But the second time watching it today, I was like, I get what this is supposed to be. It's Yeah, it, and that is why I think it's not a total failure because it, you cannot describe it wholesale. F- financially, you can, but as a, as a film, the entire thing is not unenjoyable the entire time. And it's like, it's patchy, yes, but there are moments of genuine giddiness inside of the world when it isn't taking itself too seriously and when you're allowed to have fun and you are in it with the cats. Mm. It's nice. There's also remains nothing to suggest that there aren't actual cats that live in this universe and these are, as suggested previously, <laughs> a terrifying cat-person hybrid. I, I did turn to you and say <laughs> the scene where the jellical choice has been made, this is a real emotional high in the film and Jennifer Hudson is approaching... Um, what turns out to be a hot air balloon, but is sort of a, um, what do you call it? A uh, What's it called in the roof? A chandelier with a big balloon attached to it. And Mr. Mistopheles at this point has established he is indeed magical, so he waves his hand and a ring of candles lights up. And you know when you have those those um, lanterns that you can light the bud and then it floats off into the... It's like that, so it's producing this hot air to lift it. And so you've got... There's a lot of star imagery on the ground. There's like 50 cats all circled around. Standing on their high legs. And then there's this fire, this candle circle... And then this cat is getting lifted into the air, and I just turned to go. I went, imagine if a person just came in and saw these cats pulling this off. I would a pa- freak. I would pay serious money if someone could edit that into the film, just to see someone <laughs> go, and then watch the cats see the person and scatter. Oh, Especially fuck. if you consider the idea that the person has not seen this hybrid before. I like the idea that it's like Rugrats with the language that they can all understand it. So we're seeing cats through cats' eyes, but this is actually just cats. So then we get it from the human perspective, and it's what we see as cats, but they've pulled off the sacrificial ceremony to yeah. send Jennifer Hudson up in a hot air balloon. It was, they yeah. don't even have thumbs. These cats have full-blown hands. Um, so my jellical choice this time is Robert Downey Jr. the third, and it's mainly... It's the little things, isn't it, guy? It's his reaction to Dame Judy Dench as Old Deuteronomy at the end, where she is fucking eyeballing us as audience members, one take wonder, with the song explaining how to address the cat and the etiquette involved. And he is just, he's off to, I'm obviously not looking at her, she's in focus. That's what the movie wants me to do. I'm off to the right looking at Robbie Downing Jr. the third, and he's just doing a great job of reacting to whatever she says. Yeah. He's committed. And that acting is, is reacting. And that's one of the fun things about uh, musical acting and sort of, you know, the sort of, it's almost pantomime really, but you, there's no there's no top end that you're not allowed to reach. And he embraces that. He dials it all the way up. His reactions are huge reactions to her barreling the camera and telling you, that's right, you just watched a movie about cats for the second time. <laughs> so on that note... 
Well, I'd just like to say, again, I am feel, feeling a real kinship to the Jellicle clan and the Jellicle cats. And again, in spite of an improved attitude, I yeah. don't quite feel like you have what it takes. Me? I don't know that you are presently a Jellicle cat. I think you're right, but I think I can get there. And I think just what the doctor ordered, another watch tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing else for it, really, is there? Hey, thanks for listening to episode Meow Meow. We'll see you meow, 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 meow. We'll see you soon. Cats prefer chef. Meow. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.